Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam and joining me tonight are... Ian. <laughs> I was worried about the pause then. And Dan. <laughs> and also joining us today is a special guest for this episode, Ellie Carter. Um, Ellie is probably best known to our listeners, uh, or certainly originally known, as the nine-year-old girl who famously appeared in a video about 11 years ago. Uh, sat in the cockpit of a U2 at RAF Fairford, uh, being, well, I was going to say being talked around the cockpit by the pilots, but actually she was uh, showing the pilots themselves what everything was. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so before we, we, we get into that, we'll just play a, a short little excerpt from that video um, to, to reacquaint our listeners. Um, let's, let's have a listen to that. It's about the right size, huh? <laughs> So what's all the gadgets? Shout, shout it out, can't hear Absolutely. And fuel transfer. Very good. Ellie, that's frightening. <laughs> it took us months to learn that. <laughs> Months, months a year. <laughs> uh, so obviously, um, it, it kind of made waves in 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 sort of the enthusiast world at the time. I think a lot of people found themselves very jealous of a, a nine-year-old girl <laughs> for for doing a something that perhaps a lot of people had dreamt of doing themselves. How 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 on earth did that come about? Honestly, that entire thing is kind of a bit of a mystery to everybody. I've always wanted to fly. I've always loved aeroplanes. <laughs> So when I was eight, I decided it would be a brilliant idea to write a letter to Riyadh um, asking if they could bring a U2 to the air show. And obviously at the time that was kind of a crazy thing, but um, Riyadh actually passed that on to the U2 pilots. And after my parents had many, many strange calls from the Pentagon trying to work out if they were, I was actually a nine-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I almost got them arrested. But anyway, um, <laughs> they realised I was nine and inviting me up to Fairford at 4am in the morning to see the U2 and all that stuff came out. Okay. And how did you know so much about it already? Because, um, you know, clearly you're a pretty expert on the on the Dragon Lady by that point. I was an absolute nerd. <laughs> I'd watch <laughs> the videos, read from the books. My bedtime reading when I was eight years old was Chris Pocock's 50 Years of the U2. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was. It was like picture books when I was that age, I think. So where, where did that come from then, originally, that, that love for aviation? Um, no one knows. Nobody in my family flies. I've never had any contact in aviation before the U2. Um, we've had various crazy stories, and there's kind of rumours that like I've been here before, because my mum used to sell cigarette cards, mm -hmm. and one day she had these aeroplane cigarette cards, and there's an aircraft called a wildebeest, and when I was maybe one and a half or two, I couldn't read at the time. I pointed to this aircraft and said wildebeest, and I'd never seen it before. I couldn't read. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea oh, wow. what the hell happened. Wow, that's that's quite spooky. So, so yeah, so nine years old, you ended up in a sat in the cockpit of a U two. Um, have you kept in touch with them at all? I still keep in touch with all of them as much as possible. In fact, I was talking to Cabby, the guy who flew Jones made the edge of space, and the guy we stayed at, we went to California just earlier. So I need okay. to wash, wash a bit more. But 
I try and keep in touch with them as much as possible, but a lot of them have moved on from the U2 now, so sure. it's a bit more difficult. So they haven't taken you up in a, for a flight yet? I'm, I'm still trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so there, that, that was sort of when, when you, you came to prominence in, in the aviation world, I think, and like I said, made, made waves because it was, it was quite an extraordinary sight for a nine-year-old girl to be, <laughs> to be showing off that level of knowledge. But it obviously didn't stop there. So what, what happened then with the, the rest of your aviation career? Well, to be honest, I, I kind of owe my entire aviation career to the U2 pilots. Um, okay. I didn't have any contacts or anything. They, they got me flying, essentially, and I had no idea what that letter at the time would lead to. So mm-hmm. the U2 pilots put me in contact with a test pilot in Wiltshire called Martin Kellett, and he had okay. a scatter rally at the time. So he took me for my first flight, and we kind of got on really well from the science point of view and the flying point of view, so he took me flying. And then from there, everything kind of snowboarded. I started gliding, and I met, met the guy with the cub before I had it, and I was flying with him. Martin Kellett then went away, but we were flying, and I was doing some gliding, so I solo glided on my 14th birthday. And oh, wow. everything kind of snowballed wow. from there. What was that first aircraft that you went up in? The Cicata Rally. Okay. And what was, do you, do you remember that experience? Uh, yeah, it was an incredible experience because, well, I'd never actually been on an airliner up to that point at all. So it was my first flying experience oh, wow. nonstop. Wow. It's incredible. I bet, it, I bet compared to a U2 as well, because obviously you'd sat inside the, the Dragon Lady cockpit when you were sat, in, sat inside a Sakata Rally, you're like, oh, this is a, a bit of a, a downgrade compared to a U2. <laughs> I don't know, it was still pretty cool. And compared to the Cub I fly now, I actually had instruments, which I'm not used to at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did your parents make of that, of, of your, your very early drive to, to go into flying? I don't think at first they knew really what to make of it. I think they thought it was awesome that I had something that I wanted to do, but to suddenly come out of nowhere and be like, I'm going to fly mm-hmm. an aeroplane from a family that has nothing to do with aviation was probably quite weird. But luckily sure. my parents were really supportive. My dad even wrote me free books to inspire me when I had some negativity. Not oh, sure really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They kind of, he wrote three books that made light heart of all the stuff that some women used to have in the 1920s and some stuff mm-hmm. they still get to get today. And it kind of really helped me inspire me. So I'm really well, I lucky think, that I have the parents I have. I think that's that's something we're going to touch on later because um, obviously it, it's still a very male dominated field and, and world. Um, and I think that's that's one of the reasons we've got you on the show is to talk about that as, as something we've we've never really touched on on, on this show before. Um, but but let's let's carry on with your your aviation career so far. So, you you, you started gliding. Um, when did you say you you had your first solo? I started my fourteenth birthday, which was the youngest you can do it. That's oh, really? quite fun. The next day I went into school and I wasn't allowed to use a glue gun unsupervised. <laughs> Brilliant. That must be a, a very strange feeling because um, obviously not uh, most people probably don't start flying until they're. So I suppose late teens or, or even later, but to be able to do something like that at a very young age must must feel quite empowering. It felt absolutely awesome, to be fair, to actually be able to fly an aircraft on your own at such a young age was amazing. Mm. It was something that even my parents couldn't tell me what to do. It was like a complete sense of freedom. And it was, it was just utterly amazing. Mm. But I guess up until that point, I'd flown so much. And I'd flown since I was nine years old that at the same time, it was just something that I was used to. Mm. I've never done because I, from a flying background, the guys that listen to this regularly know that I'm a pilot because I mention it all the time. Um, 
but um doing gliding is something that i've never done before and i understand that like you've got your ppl now which is on the on the piper cub do you still do a bit of gliding as well or is it just all flying now or would you like to go back to gliding if you don't do it anymore i don't glide anymore i i stopped originally to do my ppl because i wanted to focus on that and college and everything and if i'm being honest some people in the gliding world are a little bit old-fashioned and it kind of put me off but but actually as a sport gliding's amazing and it teaches you some amazing skills because you don't have an engine to rely on mm-hmm. so I, I would love to go back to it but i'm slightly hesitant <laughs> well are, yeah. you, are you able to to tell us what you mean by that because that's quite an interesting thing to hear there's it's kind of annoying because like 70 80 percent of people in gliding are absolutely wonderful and incredibly supportive but there's been some times where i don't know if it's because i'm a young or because i'm a girl but there's been some negative things from not being able to <laughs> go to the bathroom for an example being weighed in front of people and um even i went and paid for a gliding course once to do aerobatics mm. and i turned up and the guy who was instructing the aerobatics had explained to this young guy all the science behind it and everything. And then he turned around to me and said, I won't bother explaining that to you. You won't understand it. And he wow. never took me for that gliding really? flight. So I've, yeah. never, I've never got that money back whatsoever. And I saved really? it. Really? I would have been 13 at the time. God. That's shocking. That's but then, But then we're, we're saying that, I guess, because we would never have experienced that in our lives, really. Is that... Has that been a common experience? In powered aviation, not at all. Most people in powered aviation are absolutely okay. wonderful. But and even in gliding aviation, eighty percent of people are wonderful. It just seems to be a couple people that make mm. life difficult. That's awful. And w- do you think it's something that that possibly puts other other women off taking up gliding? I really hope not. I really hope that it was just my gliding club at the time, mm. but. I don't know. I don't know enough women in gliding to find out. To be fair, sure, fair enough. Um, although, is it is there are there a lot of women gliding? Um, well, there's a girl that I mentor at the moment. She's 11. She's just started gliding, so I know she's doing it. Um, mm. And there was another woman, a similar age to me, but slightly older, when I was learning. She was flying from another club, and she seemed to love it. So okay, I don't know. I think it's still a good sport. Yeah, sure. Um, so. You obviously did your gliding and you mentioned you you, you stopped that to, to move on to your PPL. Um, talk to us about that. What were you what were you hoping to do uh, with that and, and what did you move on to? Well, at the time, I, I'd always wanted to get my PPL. Flying with an engine was always my dream. So mm-hmm. I went to Dunkerswell and I did my PPL on a 152. Um, but at the same time, I was flying the Piper Cub. But um, I guess at the time, I just I wanted to fly. I didn't really have a dream. But now as I've flown more, I started to realise that tailwheel and vintage aircraft are like my passion. So I moved on to okay. the Tavria and Cub and all that stuff. What point did you make the transition whilst you were doing your PPL? Like at a certain point or like when you're doing circuits or cross countries? At what point did you make the change? So I actually did my PPL on the 152 and got that on my 17th uh, right. birthday and then did my tailwheel rating on the Tavria. Ah, right. Okay, cool. Because... Is a Satavia aerobatic? Or have I made that up? I can't remember now. Some Satavias are aerobatic, but I did my aerobatics <laughs> on a different aircraft. <laughs> uh, oh, nice. So you've done your aerobatics as well? Yeah, so I did my aerobatics on a Super Decathlon, which happened to be James Mayfield aircraft. Oh, oh cool. really? 
two connections you have with James May then. <laughs> it's almost like fate, but anyway, I've never met him, it's not okay. Now you're flying a, a Piper Cub and you, you seem pretty pretty pleased with that. Um, tell us what it's like to fly a Piper Cub. Flying a Piper Cub, honestly, it's like my favourite aircraft. It's it's like flying a dream. Um, the fact that it just flies beautifully, there's no instruments, so it really is like the seat of your pants flying. It's just, it's wonderful. And also to fly something that would have had an involvement in World War II and D-Day, it's mm-hmm. a very humbling experience. And it's it's nice to be able to fly something that had so much history behind it and hopefully share that and keep that going into the future generations. Mm-hmm. I know you were saying that um, the the Piper Cub, you uh, like own it now, I think you said. Um and it was someone that you knew that owned it beforehand. Um, do you know if it is it an actual ex-military Piper Cub or is it one that's been just repainted in US Air Force markings? It is an ex-military Piper Cub. It was built in June of 1944, so it didn't quite serve in D-Day, which is kind mm-hmm. of a shame, but it did actually fly in Belgium. Um, okay. But it was crashed, so it is kind of a rebuilt at the same time. Right, okay, cool. I know you mentioned... A few moments ago, about I suppose people at this gliding club being quite condescending towards you, but you're saying you love the Piper Cub so much. What 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 do people think of that? Because I, I presume you, know, you kind of presume that you people have more bigger aspirations to fly all sorts of things. Um, what what's the thinking? I suppose one being a girl and one you know, loving flying the Piper Cub so much. I think most people they love the fact that I like I like a Piper Cub. Um, the Piper Cub kind of has such a reputation of being such an amazing aircraft and the fact mm. it's got history behind it, people seem to love. I don't think that many people are bothered about me being a girl, but there are some people, especially not so much from the flying point of view, but from the science and the mechanical point of view, they kind of have this aspect that I wouldn't understand or wouldn't be able to do it. I suppose it's nice to surprise a few people, I guess. <laughs> I've definitely done that. I actually flew... <laughs> I piped a cup into one airfield once and they wouldn't let me back to the aircraft because I was 17 and I looked about 12. <laughs> wow. How, how long have you been flying the, the Piper Cub? My first flight in that aircraft was when I was 12. So eight years. Oh, wow. Jeez. Okay. That's, <laughs> I didn't realise it was actually quite that long. Um, so you're, you're flying it now presumably quite regularly. I think you, uh, in fact, I think you mentioned earlier that you flew the aircraft to Normandy this year. Yeah, so unfortunately, every year before, I've had exams where the weather's been terrible and we haven't been able to make it. But this year, everything kind of fell in place and we flew the Cubs to Normandy for the Alberts Normandy, which is mm-hmm. hosted every year. Nice. Uh, which is actually an amazing experience. And it was quite humbling to do the same crossing that they would have done Ooh. 79 years ago. Um, hopefully, we'll go again next year of the 80th mm-hmm. and that will be absolutely massive and I can't wait for that. What was it like? Tell us, Tell us about that. Honestly, it was absolutely wonderful. It was um, quite cold over the channel, if I'm being really honest. The <laughs> heater in the cub is absolutely terrible. Um, and every time you fly over water, you always hear the engine suddenly sounds different. But <laughs> <laughs> everything was absolutely fine, so it was great. And we landed at Khan Airport and met some Dakota guys and everything. And we flew around the Normandy beaches. And I'd never actually been to Normandy before, so it was it was a completely new experience and it was absolutely wonderful. Must be quite a, a tight-knit community doing these uh, these sort of commem- uh, I suppose memorial occasion flights. Yeah, I mean, I fly around with like three or four other people that all own military Piper Cubs all the time and they're kind of the UK lot and we go and meet the mm-hmm. France lot. 
so it's very very close-knit which is it's really nice and I know you say you're hopefully going to take part next year and hopefully it's it'll be as big as if not bigger than uh, what it was like in 20 29 yeah 2019 um are you hoping because uh, now you say you've got a passion for for vintage aircraft and warbirds is there a plan maybe in the future to maybe start displaying the cover air shows or you know maybe step into the air show world and become a, an air show performer or anything Honestly, one of my dreams would be to fly vintage aircraft in displays and air shows, uh, whatever kind of vintage aircraft and warbird, and just to be able to share my passion and experience to other people and other young girls, especially. Mm-hmm. So if I can, definitely, I just need to try and work out a way to make my way into it. <laughs> well, you're halfway there. You've got the aeroplane, so all you need is the uh, the display authorization. There you go. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> I mean, if that if that was do you know what your route would be into doing that would you would you have to work something up with people would it be something um you would need to to have a particular approval for so technically you need a display authorization to fly displays so i could technically do that in my cub i mean i'm not gonna be doing anything crazy in it it's not Mm -hmm. aerobatic or anything but um i would also love to fly other warbirds so i am involved within the night fright project slightly because the co-owner of the cub actually owns night fright so Okay. We kind of do stuff together, and I'm hoping that maybe one day we can work something out through contact sure. and stuff. Yeah, I think that would be a, a a remarkable thing to bring to the to the uh, the air show world. Um, but since then, you've or si- since you've got your your license, you've obviously had a, a role as sort of a STEM ambassador and an ambassador for women in aviation. And in fact, you were uh, associated with with EasyJet. I don't know if you you still are at all, but. Would you be able to, to tell us about that and how that came about? So the EasyJet thing kind of died out with COVID a little bit, like I guess okay. most things. <laughs> but um, I was I had a mentorship with them to try and encourage other women into aviation. So I'd go around and I'd go to like, I went to like the A3, L3 Harris Center and mm-hmm. through the simulators and stuff. And I went up to Bristol to look around their aircraft and their terminals and doing interviews and stuff, trying to encourage as many people as possible into possibly an airline career which was it was amazing honestly i got to experience some really really cool things myself so it was incredible but sadly mm. it it stopped is it something you would want to to restart if you could definitely anything that encourages young girls or anything like that to be fair i'm more than happy to do anything like that <laughs> <laughs> well actually that's that's something that possibly dan could mention because you've obviously you're an airline pilot and you, you've been with a couple of airlines do you see many women in in that role in in what well, in fact in in the industry full stop so um what in terms of actual female pilots or just women pilots working in and, commercial and aviation in general yeah so i mean so since i joined flyby in june 2018 so in total it's been about five years give or take one during covid um whilst i've been at logan Air, i've noticed a reasonably i'm not going to say a huge increase but a noticeable increase in the number of female pilots which is really really good um it's good to see um flyby had an initiative when i joined called fly she which tried to get not just female pilots but women into commercial aviation whether that be in ops um, or in engineering or as flight crew um because you know a lot of people think um, and it's it, it's a really annoying sort of um, what's the word that I'm looking for 
a lot of people have this really sort of archaic opinion that you know oh, women in aviation means cabin crew and it absolutely doesn't because it should be equal opportunities you know you don't have to be male to be a pilot it's no such thing it's it's stupid um so yeah i'd, I'd say that it has improved slightly as the years have gone on um which is which is really good to see um the one area probably where it's lacking most that i've noticed is in engineering um mm-hmm. i was speaking to one of the senior engineers at logan air recently and i think it's something ridiculous like 96 percent is um is male engineers it, there's very few i don't think i've unfortunately i've not seen a single female engineer at logan air whilst i've been here and i've been around like most of the bases um so there's sure. certainly there's certainly scope for work and i think there's there's scope for it to improve in in flight crew as well so hopefully that trend sort of continues to go upwards in terms of recruitment yeah so i mean ellie is obviously you've already had very successful aviation career so far and i'm sure it's going to um you know continue to go from strength to strength but as someone who has been an ambassador for women in aviation do you think that enough is being done to to present it as an accessible career and world to to young women I think we could always do more, but I understand it's actually it's a very difficult thing to promote. Aviation isn't an easily accessible thing. And I mean, for me, mm-hmm. it was incredibly difficult without having contacts. Um, and a lot of people you see get into aviation because they had a family member. Sure. So actually promoting it is very difficult. But I think we could probably do more for schools and young people and maybe more incentives with days in open airfields and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. it is very difficult. Have you got any advice, sort of top tips that you would give to any young females? Uh, that are, young females, I sound like Friday night dinner. Any young girls, <laughs> any females that are looking to get into the aviation industry, whether it is sort of engineering or or flight crew? Honestly, it's it's quite difficult because everybody's aviation experience is completely different. But um, if you're interested in aviation, hang around an airfield if you've got one local to you because pilots are actually very friendly and they love to talk, so you hang around airfields and offer to help out normally stuff happens from there and a lot of the places that like when I met Richard I met Richard purely from begging my parents to call into an airfield while we were driving past sure and meeting Richard that one time that's how I got all those cup flights and I know a lot of pilots want to encourage people as much as possible so probably just speaking to people and trying to make as many contacts as possible is probably one of the best things you can do mm-hmm that's uh, my weekend with my daughter sorted then. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you, what, Laura's going to love to hear that. <laughs> um, so what, is, what do you think your, your future holds? I mean, what is it you want to do with your, your, your license and your, your flying career? Where do you want to take it? That's kind of a million dollar question. I'm kind of waiting and seeing what doors will open to me. I still mm. want to fly the U2, don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm trying to work out what <laughs> I'm doing now. It's probably not the easiest thing to do. And again, getting into Warbirds would be an absolute dream, but I probably need something to be able to fund that kind of experience. Yeah. So I'd love to do that flying or something to do with engineering because that is my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'm waiting for uni to finish to work out what's available at the time and what I can do. Sure. I mean, are you, what, what what is it you're doing at uni at the moment? Uh, aeronautics, nationaltics. Okay. So <laughs> perfectly aviation related then. It's more the engineering side, but it is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly interesting. Do you think you would you would rather go into the the engineering side of things as a profession with the flying as a as a hobby on the side? 
Um, I'm not sure because well, flying is like my absolute passion. It's kind of my be all and end all. I absolutely love it. So, if I could have a career that incorporates something I love, I, it would be a dream. But um, I guess we'll just have to see. <laughs> so, are you in your second or or third year at the moment? Or uh, like, how long is it? A three year course, or is it a little bit longer? I'm doing the three year course at the moment, and I'm in my second year. But uh, depending on what I want to do, I may go back and do a master's. Okay, cool, nice. And what which, which university is that with? Uh, Southampton. Okay. Um, and is there sort of at the at the end of the course? I mean, I when I was at uni, I, I was lumped in with the engineering students, and a few of them um, at the time there was opportunities to go with particular companies. Is that something that Southampton does, or is it a case of once a degree is done, like the world's yours to go and go and look for something sort of thing? I haven't heard of anything like that, but I think there are internships and stuff they try and offer. But um, I'm not really sure yet, to be fair. I'm only in my second year and they haven't spoken about it. Cool. Nice. Other than the U2, of course, what would be your dream aircraft to fly, do you think? Other than the Piper Cub as well. <laughs> I I absolutely love the Bowfighter. Uh, there just needs to be one flying. That, that's the main problem. But I'm desperate to fly Bowfighter. I'm sure we you, you could get a bow fighter to the sky set up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. There is one at Duxford that they're in the process of restoring, isn't there? Yeah, I was just about to say I was going to. There's the one at Duxford that's been there for years and years. Is and it years. being restored to flight? I thought so. I could be wrong. Ellie will probably know better than me. <laughs> I think so, but then I think they were having problems with the engines because they have. Is it Bristol Hercules engine, which is quite a complex piece of mm. kit. Well, I'm sure uh, you'll be able to line yourself up for a first test flight when it does go up. I don't know anybody at Duxford. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you you you've you've got a you know good name for yourself in the in sort of the the aviation community. I'm sure it, it wouldn't be too difficult to to approach them and and ask to, to to you know be involved in some way and and certainly make some some contacts while you're there. Yeah, I need to go up and speak to them and stuff, to be fair. Mm. It would be an amazing thing, and they have so many amazing pieces of kit. Sure. I guess as well, I mean, maybe trying to link the two, the, both what you're doing at university and the hobby together is, I mean, I imagine people like the Fighter Collection and uh, the Aircraft Restoration Company and all these other reasonably large com- like uh, restoration companies in the UK are crying out for engineers as well, because a lot of it, you know, is maybe the demographic is a little bit older and they probably need, you know, young, passionate individuals to get involved. So you never know, it may be like the perfect like avenue to go down and then you can get into both restoring them and flying them at the same time. Absolutely, that would be like utterly amazing. I thinking about the, the challenges of flying something like a warbird. Have you ever thought, why am I flying this? Why don't I fly something simpler? What what actually is it like to fly? I mean, you... well, can you can you get much simpler than a? I'm going to say, I think a cub's like <laughs> something easier, I suppose. I'm just thinking what you said. I've just had a vision in my mind about you were saying you were flying over the channel. Obviously, you will have everything in control, but you must. I, I, I can't get into my head. You're obviously very competent at flying. You you wouldn't do it if you didn't think you were. I I, I just find it quite unbelievable at your age just having the confidence to do something like that and, and not thinking about it does anything go through your mind at all that sort of stuff or do you, do you just carry on with the job in hand 
that's all to have things going through your mind. If you think something could go wrong, you're then prepared when it does go wrong. Um, I think if you were overconfident, that's the cause of most accidents. So, of course, we through the channel thinking, OK, what if this happened here? What if this happened here? But luckily, none of it happened. Um, actually, something that <clears throat> just occurred to me, what Ian was asking about, obviously, when so when I think about um, Warbird pilots and crews that you see at air shows and, and see at fly-ins and stuff like that, they tend to be sort of an older demographic, uh, you know, that obviously sort of, uh, I guess it comes with, with experience and, and money and maybe just having that, that spare time to do it. And you don't really see that many young people involved. W- would you say that's the case? Would you say you're you're a bit of an outlier in the in the warbird world and, and community, the vintage flying community? Definitely an outlier. You don't really see anybody else my age flying vintage aircraft. Um, yeah, there is definitely a demographic that most warbird pilots are older, and I'm definitely an outlier. Um, and it's kind of awkward because everybody seems to have an opinion about me as a young pilot what I'm doing and whether I'm doing everything right so I have to be really really careful about doing everything by the book because everybody's watching you Mm. but it's kind of a privilege that everybody's watching you because I get to share my experience with hundreds of other people and hopefully inspire more young people to maybe get into the same things as me and hopefully one day I won't be the outlier I'll be kind of the norm. Mm. I mean I guess it's interesting that because you think that something like a, a cub, the the guys who were flying it in the war would have been pretty much your age and, and younger, I guess, sometimes. So it, it's obviously, you know, not impossible for... <laughs> demonstrably not impossible for someone your age to fly them. Um, but do you think it's... Do you think it... Having asked you about women in aviation before, do you think there's enough done, perhaps, of, for what is a very small industry to encourage young people to get involved in vintage flying and vintage... Uh, you know warbirds and stuff like that and to, and to make it less of a should we say an old man's game i think more can definitely be done um but it's very difficult to share that kind of experience um most warbird pilots come from thousands of hours experience in the mm-hmm. RAF or airlines and of course they have money to go with that whereas young people don't so we're already at a disadvantage but I guess we have an advantage, the fact that we're young, our reaction times are better, our health's probably better to some extent. And <laughs> so you could argue that we're probably more capable in some ways. So I think more could be done to inspire young people. And I hope that we can do more to inspire young people. And I hope that I taking young people flight has an impact for them with vintage aircraft. But again, it's, it's so difficult. Do you do, do a lot of passenger flying? Yeah, so I've been, I mentored a young girl until her PPL, she actually took the youngest pilot off me a little while ago, which is just oh no, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm also taking a young girl for flight at the moment. She's 11. She's kind of my little co-pilot in the cub, and she's just started gliding, so she's now starting to fly me around, which is honestly it's an amazing experience. Mm. So I I try to take as many people for their first flights as possible and kind of share that experience that I had from kind pilots taking me flying, and hopefully one day they'll be the next future aviation and it'll kind of carry on. And I would imagine that having your first flight in something as, as iconic and, and not, you know, not run of the mill as a, as a cub probably has more of an impact than just taking them flying in say a, a 152. I mean, going from the Sakata rally to the Piper cub, it was completely different because the fly is completely different. And it's just, it's really weird to say that, but it's kind of got an aura about it because of the history mm-hmm. and stuff. And I guess, 
I connected with that from the start. Even when I was 12, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And you kind of had an emotion behind it. And I guess I fell in love with it because of that. Sure. I think as well, because um, you sort of, uh, you're so obviously passionate about it. And when you fly the Piper Cub, it's not just, I'm just going up in an aeroplane. It's it's your aeroplane. It's got its own specific kind of history. That will, I imagine, really rub off on who you take up on these flights. I mean, um, I remember when I did my first flight in a, it was only a Cessna 152. That's how I got the bug. But I, as you say, with something with such history, um, I'd like to hope that I imagine the, the girl that you were mentoring, who's like 11 years old, your little co-pilot and the one that's just done a PPL, was that off the back of you taking them flying that they then started going down the PPL route? Yeah, so the girl that I took flying, I think she had a trial lesson before I took her flying at Dunkstore, and then she went and did a PPL after that, which is amazing. And Lily's just started gliding since I took her for her first flight, so I hope I had some kind of inspiring role, but uh, who knows? <laughs> I imagine, I imagine you have. I mean, it's it's probably that sort of like kick and that experience that probably pushes them to to go and do it. So, and it must feel like for you amazing to know that you've had such an impact and potentially influencing their sort of career for the rest of their lives and stuff. Potentially, it is. It's such a privilege because I mean, I am a very privileged person to be able to fly warbirds at my age. Is not many people can do that and. I'm... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not jealous at all. I promise. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I know I'm. I know I'm an incredibly privileged person. So to be able to share that with somebody else is even more of a privilege. And honestly, it's something that I never thought I'd be able to do. They haven't sat in a U two though, have they? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll always have that over them. Just in terms of, I suppose where it all began. Have you, as well as flying, you've obviously got the full interest in aviation. Do you still attend air shows? Have you got? that interest in, in watching aircraft fly as much as flying them themselves? Yeah, sadly, I haven't actually been to an air show in a couple of years. Um, oh. I'm desperate for an injury, actually, at some point. But, um... So you, you've, you've missed the U2s that they've had on static then, <laughs> all those years after you wrote the letter. I know, it's not okay. I went to Riyadh once and I saw a U2 there one year, but that probably was the last year I ever went there, and I don't know when that was. But I don't know. I'm desperate to go back to one. Did you say that... Um, so? in sort of half answer my question um did you say that you attended oshkosh at, at some point no i'm absolutely desperate to attend oshkosh we've been trying to work uh... out a way of doing it for years but i was on about that i was speaking to one of the youtube pilots earlier and he'd been to oshkosh we were talking about that okay nice i mean i guess the dream there is you could fly over and because you know um as you say pilots are on the whole quite friendly you may even get your chance to fly piper cub into into oshkosh which would be pretty cool i imagine it would be amazing i'm not sure how i managed to fly the cup right across the atlantic <laughs> like that but no maybe not take your could, own could you get a cup up to iceland i still reckon that would be a bit beyond this route uh, <laughs> oh, you'd, you'd be so cold as well imagine how freezing it would be <laughs> i mean i wear a heated jacket in it in the middle of the summer so it probably wouldn't work <laughs> uh, just just strap lots of hot water bottles around the cabin you'll be fine <laughs> i'm sure you could you could find a, a cub to to borrow for a while if you went over there i'm sure there's there's enough of them in america <laughs> <laughs> i hope so <laughs> um i mean that's the place to go for cubs though i'm sure so um ellie thank you very much for coming on the show uh it's been fascinating to hear your your aviation story to to hear about a side of of a side of aviation 
we have no experience of as well uh that we've not covered in our in our well now 60 episodes so uh it's been great to 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 learn about that and to to discover that um what's i mean what's next for you in the immediate future then well fingers crossed on the weather i actually have my imc skills test tomorrow so okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) i'm gonna check what the weather's looking like for tomorrow now (laughs) <laughs> it's looking pretty terrible in the morning. Yeah, it looks pretty rubbish. <laughs> oh, well, well, good luck. Fingers with it. crossed. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. And thank you again for coming on. Uh, that's been another episode of the UK Asia Review podcast. Thank you for listening. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UK Asia Review on all three. We have a website where you can read all of our air show reviews and aviation features, which is airshows.co.uk and we have a forum where we chat about it uh, one of the, the busiest European airshow forums In on Europe? the internet <laughs> <laughs> and that's forums.airshows.co.uk see you for another episode goodbye <laughs>